Hi everyone, this is a cool show y'all. I have Crypto 101 host Matthew Aaron joining me to have a discussion with Eternio co-founders. Say what's up, Matthew Aaron. Yo, yo, Aaron Paul. Thank you very much for having me on the show, sir. Awesome, man. Ian Kane makes his return, making him my second two-time guest. He brought with him co-founders Daniel Goldman and Bryant Maroney. On my first interview with Ian, we started chasing down the rabbit hole all things ICO raises. We decided to table that conversation for when Ian could get the whole posse together, and that day has indeed arrived, and it was a glorious day. And we look at not only behind the curtain, we talk about things that are paid for that we never thought were going to be paid for. White papers, websites, teams, advisors. Are the volumes fake? Are the followers fake? Twitter, Telegram followers. And we go down this rabbit hole, which is a different rabbit hole than the crypto space. This is the ICO building space. What can be paid for? What's being paid for? Who's paying for it? We dive into all these things plus a whole lot more. Well, I'm excited for this conversation, Aaron. Boom. Really? Boom? That's what you're going to end with? Yeah. (laughs) All right, cool. Boom. I hope you enjoy. So without further ado, please enjoy our interview with the Tornillo co-founders. Welcome, everyone, to ICO 101 Podcast. Today's topic, whether we stay on topic the whole time or not, is yet to be seen, but ICO fundraising, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Before we get into that, let's get everybody introduced. My name is Matthew Aaron. Hello, everyone. I am the host of Crypto 101 Podcast. Guys, this is Ian Kane. I am one of the co-founders of Ternio. Aaron just wanted to say thank you for having me on the show last time. Really enjoyed the conversation. We got a lot of great feedback from being on there. So enjoy uh, using your your platform to really plug Ternio. Uh, as promised, I'm here with my two co-founders, Daniel Goldman and Brian Maroney. I'll stop speaking and I'll let them introduce themselves. I think Ian said it best. Daniel Goldman, good to be here. Thanks for having us. Ternio, yeah. co-founder. Uh, Brian Maroney, co-founder, uh, head of engineering at Turnio. Thanks for the intros. So fundraising, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It seems like when I first got into this space as an average person, the crypto in the blockchain space was for me. The decentralization, the grassroots communities. And I had an opportunity as a non-accredited investor to kind of act like an angel investor. And a lot of our guys, the plumbers the boat captains, the dishwashers. The problem is is that sometimes they invest $500 of their hard-earned money and then it vanishes. (laughs) They think, man, this company wants to raise $60 million. They both said they're the next best thing. They must be legit, right? So I'm going to invest in these guys, Moon, Teslas, whatever, right? I was talking to a guy recently about his ICO launch. And he only wanted to raise $4 million. And then he got to talking to his advisors. And he was convinced afterwards that it would be better for him to raise $30 million than the $4 million. And when the average consumer gets to asking questions about money, they get directed to a white paper with a pie chart that an eighth grader can build, right? And we say, hey, where's the money supposed to go? You know, because any investor worth their salt would not look at a pie chart and think this company wants 50, 60, 70, 30 million dollars. They Mm -hmm. wouldn't take that, right? So our listeners ask us all the time, do we think we should invest in this or I should invest in this XYZ company? What do you think? And my answer generally, it sounds great, but what can 60 and 50 and 40 million buy? 
And sometimes mm. we get our, our listeners that ask us, why are they advertising in the United States, but Americans can't invest in it? That doesn't make any sense. Why not raise $1 million, then $5 million, then $10 million? We get this asked all the time. I don't know exactly where to start, but I wanted to say that. And I know it's not always about the money all the time, but <laughs> maybe yeah, let's, let's start let's there. There's a, there's a lot there. So let's, let's unpack it all. Let's talk about the valuations, right? Why does a company need to raise four or 40 or $400 million, right? And mm -hmm. I think it really comes down to, well, what problem are they trying to solve? That's first and foremost. Are they, are they a DAP? Are they just a, a simple ERC-20 token? Are they building an underlying protocol? And, and what is really needed? And, and you're absolutely right. You know, <clears throat> if you look at the VC or PE capital side of things, you're not just going to show somebody a pie chart and be like, here, see, then this is how you make money. It's going to be a lot more involved. And that's why I think it's so critical when, you know, any of your listeners are thinking about investing into any kind of project, you do your own research, right? It's like you need to only invest in things you understand. If you don't understand something and you're just throwing money in it because you, you watch some influencer who, you know, maybe, you know, just started doing, you know, <laughs> reviews a year ago or you're just trying to, to FOMO in, right, fear of missing out, that's a surefire way to, to lose your money because you're gambling and you don't really know what you're investing in or you know, what problem they're solving. That's one. Outside of that, I mean, there's, there's a whole lot of due diligence that needs to go into it, right? Who's the team behind it? Where are they based? Are they proven guys or girls? You know, that's why, you know, Aaron, you and I were, were talking a lot about, you know, do you file Reg D? Do you do something in the yep. United States? Um, and why would a company not want to do that? You know, our philosophy and it's that we wanted to do everything legit, right? There's there's a lot of opportunity right now to to raise money in an ICO. There's a lot of uncertainty in the ways to do it. And our feeling is that, you know, we could have established in Estonia or Malta or Gibraltar or any of these foreign countries, but that's not the right way to do stuff because we're we're physically based in the US. And we want to follow the rules and regulations and laws that have been set forth. And if something changes six or nine months from now, we want to be able to say, hey, at that time, we did what we could with the information we had. We crossed the T's, we dotted the I's. We're not trying to screw anybody over. We want to do things right. And so that's where it is. So from like a, a regulatory standpoint, I, I think the regulation is good. I think there's a lot of money to be made. I think you need to have a proven business model. You need to do things right. Now, I'm probably missing a couple things. What do you, what do you guys think? Well, I, I got a question for you, Aaron. So sure. is this rated PG, PG-13? What are we talking about? What are we oh, talking? man, we could go wherever you want to go with this one. Matthew likes right. to go R. <laughs> I like to go PG-13. I like to go PG-13. Daniel, I, gotta, I, I get salty. Um, I'm inherently an optimistic person, right? right. I am. And, and I, I've met a lot of cynics within this space, and, and with good reason. But it's because the crypto space is pretty fucking seedy. Right. I mean, it really is. We have seen a lot of just um, douchebaggery. It's a tr it's a complete it's, trust issue. It's a real problem. And, and there's a lot of legitimate things. There's going to be I think there was some billionaire that's on the Federal Reserve Board in New York. And uh, he, he, he said it right. He said there's going to be some blockchain companies going to be the next Amazon, the next Google, the next Facebook. Right. It's true. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be solving all kinds of problems. And it's a really going to be amazing in terms of the way it's going to refine and, and redefine industries. And that's why you've got every major company. I just literally on our way here to the office, I saw the vice president of MasterCard talking about how thanks a lot for their conversation with so-and-so on blockchain. Like mm -hmm. literally everyone and their mom, every major company is, is diving into this. But it is a CD uh, little industry right now. And that's why you've got to pay an exchange. It's very expensive mm -hmm. to get on an exchange. If it's even legitimate, a lot of illegitimate exchanges, meaning they have the majority a, of them are illegitimate. The more, majority mm -hmm. of them are where it's just a bunch of you know whitewashing volume. Um, and, and there's a lot of pressure from you know people who believe in a project to say we want to get on the big exchange because there's this whole business model. There's an entire model 
that exists behind the scenes. And I try, we try to talk to we talk to a lot of people. We've seen a lot of you know proposals. And throughout the whole thing, we tried to stick to as best as we could, for better or worse. Maybe we made better decisions or bad decisions. I don't know. But we really tried to do it right. And so in, in, instead of the traditional model that existed where you pay some influencer to promote your product and they say, you know, uh, Turnio 1000 to the moon and then win Lambo. And literally when we started out our Telegram chat, we talked about how before we got on this, we talked about how organically we grew. Uh-huh. We actually instituted a rule that you couldn't talk about win Lambo. No speculation. No, no speculation. No. And, but, yeah. and that, goes, that goes back to just being in the U.S., right? There are a lot yeah. of people that are like, hey, you know, why should you invest in this ICO? Because you're going to 10x. You're going to make a yeah. million dollars. Right. And, and that's not right, right? There, nobody, no. nobody knows the future. And even if you have a well-executed plan and, and, and a good business model and a, and a talented team, there are no guarantees. And to bring, the, you know, your question and answer full circle is that, you know, we wanted to do things right. We want to be conservative. We inherently as a company, you know, the three of us, we're, we're very fiscally responsible. We're very conservative. We, we you know, kind of count our pennies for, yeah. for better or worse. Literally. And and so, you know, we wanted to be really responsible in the way we approach things. So I think, you know, you just got a, a fire hose of information from the three of us. Well, that's um, that's okay. We, we like fire hoses, honestly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> you, you, return you, fire you mentioned equally. something in this, and you said a legitimate exchange. Could you go and tell us a little bit about that? What is an legitimate exchange? And also one of the biggest failures for ICOs, they raise their money, they go to ICO, maybe they raise you know, 10, 20, 30 million dollars, but then they have no liquidity when it comes to exchanging, to trading, and allowing people to uh, liquidate these assets that they invested in. Uh, I read an academic paper uh, about three months ago. Academic papers are actually coming out in the crypto space. This is amazing. But it researched ICOs and how they failed. And they said that a lot of them failed because of lack of liquidity. So what is a legitimate exchange? And how do you promise liquidity for people who invested in your ICO? So let's talk about this. And I'm actually going to go back to the prior interview that, that Aaron and I had. It was towards the end. We actually talked about this where... I said, you know, when we were going through this this fundraising process, there were a lot of companies that came to us and they were like, listen, you're raising 40 million. That's too much. I'll tell you what, we're going to buy your whole round for 10 million, but you just got to lower the cap. And I'm like, well, why would you want to do that? They're like, well, this way we could 10x when we hit Binance. And I'm like, but, you know, that doesn't necessarily address the problem that we're trying to solve and, and why we need to raise these funds and, and so on and so forth. And it's kind of funny to see that people didn't really care about the, the problems you're solving with blockchain. They just care about how they're going to make their money. To answer your question in terms of legitimate exchanges, it's funny, CoinMarketCap has just actually taken a couple exchanges off of their website due to wash trading, which is essentially putting a bunch of bots on there, faking buy and sell orders so that people think that there is a ton, a ton of liquidity. Now, the problem that happens is that, you know, you, you have a project, you know, let's say Turnio or somebody else that goes through an ICO, and now it's time to create liquidity. So let's say you can finally get on one of these exchanges. Um, and it's a, it's a good exchange. Let's say it's a top 10 exchange. Well, you, you got away from all the wash trading. These exchanges now, uh, there's, in my opinion, very little work to actually list a token. But what they do is they say, well, you know, you've raised all this money. We'd like you to put that in our pockets. So the listing fee is going to be $3 million. And we're going to get you on there and we're going to create that liquidity. Now, if you're trying to run your business, paying $3 million to an exchange just to list your product so somebody else can speculate against that value that's really problematic, right? That's $3 million that, that gets taken away from building your product, from hiring talented people, so on and so forth. So it, it's funny, as you know, blockchain and crypto is really designed to kind of you know, decentralize things and bring trust to a trustless environment. 
And what's really happened now is that all this power has shifted now to the exchanges, where these exchanges yeah. are just in the business of, of making money. I'll give you another example real quick, and then, I'll, and then I'll turn it over. I was actually talking to another exchange. They're not even live yet. They raised about $20 million. They said to me, they said, hey, you know, we want to list your token. And I said, oh, that's great. You know, we're happy to work with startups and, and things like that. He's like, it'll be $400,000. I said, for what? He's like, well, it's expensive to run an exchange. I said, you just raised $20 million. Why is it expensive? And he's like, well, you know, it's, the, the price is going to go up once we go live. I'm like, but that doesn't answer my question why you need $400,000 from us now. Anyway, there's, there's a lot of nonsense like that. Um, I'll, I'll turn it over to Daniel and Brian because they have their own stories. So I wanted to make another point to something else, but the exchanges are inherently part of the solution and they're part of the problem. And I think I like what Vitalik had to say. Uh, I don't remember yes. the exact quote, but he, his passion sort of towards these centralized exchanges, it, it, his, the emo emotion that came from it, it seems like it's based in the right place. He's absolutely right. And that the exchanges, um, it, they are devils. And so, and, and, but they're necessary devils, but it's one of these things where why would I spend $3 million to get on an exchange? And wh why is everything dependent upon the exchange when what we should be refocusing our, our attention to is the actual product? And so, if you have a uh, let's say a token whose inherent value is entirely based on speculation on an exchange and buying or selling and and when it's going up when it's going down then you're basically you've got a bunch of gambling what we're trying to do is to create a product that actually utilizes the token for the purpose for which it was created mm -hmm. right and yes. then when that token demonstrates its value then that value will be assessed more broadly by people. It's so funny too because the crypto so it's the crypto is it's, it's hyper reactive, right? It's twenty four seven. Yeah, I can tell you. Like I was up at five thirty this morning going through our Telegram just because it's like there's always something going on. And it's funny, you know, our our first use case even from day one, you know, we did our ICO in June and we said we're going live with the mainnet in October. By July, people were like, when exchanges? When and we're just like, well. We can get on these exchanges, but guys, we're not even live yet, but people don't care, right? It's right. just like, yeah. well, when can I speculate? When can I trade? And it's the greater fool theory. When are you going to get on Binance so I just know there's going to be a ton more people buying it? Guys, right? and that's, and that's, 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 that's a, a, I'm sorry to cut you off, that, but that was a follow-up that I had because when I caught you guys, it was at the end of the raise. And so how did you manage the expectations? Because if the current industry, as it is, people are... Mm so excited that you guys will be on an exchange, when exchange, when moon, when Lambos. How did you manage the expectations? Because you guys hit your hard cap, right? If I remember correctly. We never announced uh, our final raise. And that actually goes back oh, that's to the right. speculation. That's right. I'm sorry. You're we, right. People were like, well, so we hit our soft cap, right? Okay. So that, that's very, relatively low. And people were like, oh, how much did you raise? Tell us, tell us. Well, here's why, the, here's why we don't want to do. One, Let's say we only raised $4 million, right? People are going to go, oh, that's a failed product, right? They, they couldn't even raise their entire hard cap. If we say we raised $40 million, well, guess what? Our price for everything just went up 4x. Oh, it was going to cost us a million dollars to get on Binance? Ah, now it's $4 million. Why? Because you got it. And so that's the nonsense that really goes on. Go ahead, Brent. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, uh, with, with that, I mean, th there's an entire industry built around just exchanges. There's people coding up templates for exchanges to sell to people so they can have their own exchanges and to uh, go, yeah. and, go and charge people $100,000. And then the crazier thing is, and I'm just thinking in the, in the back of my head, I guess from a, from a programmer standpoint, everything's revolving around decentralization, right? Mm -hmm. Everything is is mm -hmm. um, you know, how many nodes you're running and, and how is your platform uh, decentralized. And uh, But at the same time, all of these exchanges are completely centralized. All of the trading of 
these decentralized yeah. tokens is completely centralized. They all run on centralized databases mm -hmm. in, yeah. these, in these lowbrow uh, web applications. It, it, it's crazy. And all, all the stellar, the stellar, you know, we, we operate on a stellar deck, right? You, yeah, the ether decks and, and all these. And those are really great. It's just that there's not a lot of liquidity. There's not a lot of organic buying and selling going on there. So I think, you know, these centralized exchanges are really appealing because they have really nice UIs, right? There's And there's a lot of liquidity. And there's a lot of good, you know, trading and speculation that can occur there. One other thing I wanted to add, too, about, you know, why we didn't announce our, our, our hard cap is that there is no shortage of people that as soon as you're done raising an ICO, selling you all kinds of services you don't need. All kinds of, you know, traditional media outlets that want to sell you advertising, people that want to, you know, sell you on, hey, you should write a book. You know, they're, they're, we, I got LinkedIn messages on that. You should write a book. You should do these things. And it's everybody's just trying to get their pound of flesh from you. Oh, and my favorite one this uh, is is when they you get a phone call or an e email, not usually it's an email, and they're saying, you know, this is so-and-so with, uh, you know, top-line capital, and we'd like to talk to you about, you know, your, your raise. Oh, yeah. It's always some company called something, something capital, right? <laughs> and then they want to talk to you about how they can sell you services yeah. uh, for this, that, or the other. Mm -hmm. There's, there is no actual conversation about capital. The conversation is about, yeah. about your capital, right? Well, I, I, guess on, I, I guess on a plus side, uh, you, know, you know, crypto and blockchain have uh, have lowered the unemployment rate for, there's that. Uh, for it, the well, entire it's, world. It's sure. so funny. That's a, well, it's like, okay, yeah, you know, we're happy to invest in, in your, your, you know, connections, your service. Services, what are you thinking about putting in? Ah, uh, well, you know, we've actually allocated all of our capital to projects right now, but <laughs> yeah. maybe down the road. So anyway, <laughs> there's a, a lot of nonsense. I'm not actually sure how we even ended up here. Uh, I forgot what the question <laughs> was. But. You said something in answering this question is we are trying to make a product. This is what you said. We are trying to make a product. We're not looking to do, you know, all these crazy shit with the money or raise, you know, whatever. Everybody says that. Everybody says we're trying to make a product. Everybody says the, the, the tag phrase, we're trying to do good and do good or whatever, whatever the phrase is or do well and do good. That's right. what the phrase is. So my question is, in the ICO space, in the STO space, how do you cut through the bullshit? Because, look, we, before we got on this, this chat right here, we said that you can pay for tele Telegram fans. You can pay yep. for Twitter fans. I told you that you can pay for placement on iTunes rating charts. And I know, I, and I can, I can tell you who's paying for iTunes rating ratings right now. And do you want to I tell us? My question is, is yeah. why? How do you sift through the bullshit? How do you go through the Telegram and know it's legit? And well, now I have a, a kind of an interesting question: Who charges the most in in terms of exchanges? Well, mm. I, can we say that? We don't want to say. Yeah. But I, I, I think everybody knows. Know. I think everybody knows. Come on. We just said. We just said. We just said that exchanges charging three million dollars is bullshit. But we can't call one out to say, "Hey, these guys are charging charge well, here, three million dollars." Yeah, we're not going to call. We're not going to yeah. call anybody. Anyone I think, out. Well, here's I, why. I, I think we all know who is charging that. Wait, see, no, no. Here's here's why. Okay, it, it's definitely what, one of the top five. It, it, it's definitely upon, the. It's definitely the. But here's the thing. Very let's, top for for one project. Ones, let's just yeah. say like you know Binance. Let's 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 use Binance as an example. Just because they're the leader and for the and sake of conversation, it's, it's unfortunate. But you know we're gonna have to call on them and use their name. For one project, Binance might charge three million dollars plus a percentage of tokens. For another project, they might charge five hundred thousand dollars and a percentage of tokens. So it's a very arbitrary process. It's like, well, who's doing the review listings? Who's you know what do they feel? Do they like you? Are they friends of that company? Are they not? So that that really goes into. You know, decision making, and frankly, it's it's a it's a it's a dark process, right? Oh yeah, it's very dark. A lot of a lot of these exchanges now are doing voting, right? But now to get with, you know, we we just went through this process with an exchange where essentially we had to pay an application fee, which was expensive. Mm -hmm. Then we have to 
get our community to vote. Okay, that's fine. They want to see if you have an organic community, but now the community has to buy the exchange's tokens just to vote. So now the exchange is getting, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 100,000 new users. They're getting all these new users to, to yeah. buy their tokens. The, the exchange token value is, is going through the roof. It's it's insanity. It's a great business. And you know what, too, you guys asked another question, like, well, how can we tell if, if a project is legit, right? If, if I can go out there yeah. and I create yeah. Ian's ICO and I can, yeah. you know, buy a bunch of Twitter followers and Telegram followers, outside of saying just use your gut and be smart, like, here's the thing, you go into a Telegram, and we talked about this earlier, right? You know, Turnio, we have roughly 23, 24,000 people in there right now. We built it organically. And what happened is, you know, we built a strong foundation and from there it grew over time, right? If you go into a Telegram chat and there are 50,000 Telegram users, and you just see like, oh, when airdrop, oh, you know, I like this project. Oh, it's like if there's not any real dialogue going on there and it's not real people, chances are that those followers were bought. Same thing on Twitter. If you see all these followers and maybe, you know, one or two retweets, one or two likes, probably safe to say that those Twitter followers were bought. All right. And hey. so that's when you got to use your gut, you just got to feel it out. You know, well, yeah, I think it's even more in depth than that. I mean, we are talking about very technical products mm -hmm. and the, the, the ones that will succeed, very technical products. For example, us, 99% of the ICOs or the blockchain projects out there, it's complete vaporware. They have no idea about their own tokens. They're built off ERC-20, simply nothing wrong with ERC-20, but they're built off of ERC-20 simply because you can make that token in five minutes when you wake up, you know, roll roll over out of bed, push a button, and your token's suddenly made. These people don't even, that are, that are quote-unquote building these projects, don't even know anything about the token, let alone the projects that they're supposedly, supposedly building. And so we are sitting here having spent a lot of our time just proving ourselves that we are legitimate yeah. and, and a sea full of illegitimacy. Yeah, and I mean, you know, again, we, we it, it kind of goes back to, you know, crossing the T's, dotting the I's. How do, we, how do we prove what we're doing? You know, at Ternio, what we did is we got an audit, right? We had a, a consulting firm uh, that came out of PwC and Accenture that came in and audited our technology, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Come in there, put a stamp of approval yeah. on it. We've actually gone out there and we, we've strike partnerships with other companies. You know, our first use case we talked about in the, in the last interview was programmatic advertising. Well, we have partnerships that are live, you know, and. And all this goes into, I think, you know, the when you're baking a cake, all these parts go into the, the telegram following, the, the partnerships, the audit of the technology. Are, are Ian, Daniel, and Brian, are, are these guys around? Are, they, are yeah. they making videos on telegram? Are they talking to people? Are they doing a Crypto 101 podcast? It all goes into saying, like, you know, are these guys putting themselves out there and, and really saying, hey, we stand behind what we're doing? You said two things that I want to talk about. Number one is you said, you guys said that the cost to get on exchange is arbitrary. So that leads me to... Two questions. One is, doesn't that mean then that ICO market is being held hostage by the exchanges? First question. Second question yes. is, isn't yes. the founder's cut as arbitrary as the exchanges arbitrary uh, a value of how to get on their exchange? That's a, that's a good question, Aaron. Actually, I, I have the same kind of question is, look, you look at the ICOs and they say, well, you know, we have hard cap, soft cap, tap, cap tokens, and then the founders get 15%, the founders get 20%. And, you know, if you raise for some of these ICOs, like the biggest ones are like $200 million, 15% of $200 million is insane. Well, no product, no project, no uh, legacy. So where do these founders cuts come from? I mean, I don't think we can speak to anybody else's project per se, but I do think that's where people have to make a decision about whether or not they support an idea. They like what something is about. Um, if, if there is a product or isn't a product or they believe that there will be a product, 
I mean, these are all things. Is there a purpose? Um, that's due diligence. I mean, that's, that's yeah. Everybody has to make their own mind, their own decision. I mean, I don't know that we could. I I can't speak for some other project in terms of why did we create for ourselves? I don't remember even what ours were, but it was. I think somewhere in that fifteen percent. It's, it's five. Yeah, it's five percent. So there's there's three of us, but, and it's five percent. And I'll say this real quick: is that if we were if we had bad intentions, then what I would say is we would take all that money that we raise. We pay all these extortion fees yeah, to yeah. Binance, everybody. Yeah. We get all that liquidity going, get it nice and frothy, and then Ian Daniel Bryant, we just get out, right? We just dump all of our tokens in and get out. But you know what? That's not the right thing to do because Daniel said this best early on. We feel a real responsibility to the people that took a chance on us and they you know, invested in our pre-sale early on when we had 1,000 Telegram followers, when we yeah. were just an idea, we are just a white paper, we are just starting out, we were just, you know – yeah, a little naive to, to this entire space. Yeah, um, and again, that's you know, I think that goes into you know, I, I don't want to say it, it speaks to who we are, but I think you know, it should give the you know your listeners and the people in our in our community an idea of just you know who we are and kind of our, our ethics and our values. Aaron, I mean, you saw you uh, not to take this off topic, but you saw you know we I, I put up on a, on my Twitter today the the models we have that and the values we live by, right? And good. you like that, I, right? I did. And so I did. That's what equals you know, freedom. We, we put it out there. Yeah, man, it's just like, you know, this is who we are. This is what we believe in. And maybe that's for you, right? If you're invested in our ICO, maybe that's for you. Maybe you like what we stand for. Maybe you don't. And that's okay, too. At the very least, we're honest and we try to do the right thing by everybody. And again, that, that's why we're not paying these extortion fees. Why? Because it's not fiscally responsible to take all this money that we've raised in the ICO and say, all right, we're just going to allocate $3 million of it because, well, we don't care about building the product so much. We don't care about the long-term viability of Turnio. We just want to get that liquidity. Well, yeah, right? a lot of these companies aren't, uh, are really failing due to the fact that they have vaporware rather than having trouble have, getting liquidity within the exchange. It's a, I will say, though, from our perspective, you really want to get like the inside scoop, right? From our perspective, we are kind of fighting a two-front war. It's like a little bit east and west because on one hand, you do understand the, the responsibility and – the importance of trying to speak to and market to people within the crypto community, mm -hmm. right? Yes, and, and so build continually building that awareness within that crypto community. And so there's that conversation. But there's also a really important element in, in terms of, and you got that deals with exchanges and things like that. But there's also the business which you're in. Now, if in fact you have a product, if your token has a purpose that is really focused within the crypto community, that's the purpose, right? If you have an exchange, your, your marketplace, is and the people you talk to are in the crypto world. So it's sort of a perfectly aligned. Mm -hmm. But if you're trying to solve a problem that exists in the other, in the rest of the world, right, that is not yes. part of cryptocurrency per se, then you're now marketing, you're kind of splitting your focus into another place. And, and it is a challenge. It, it definitely presents a certain amount of challenge because you're putting money in one place that, it, that maybe the people in the crypto community simply wouldn't see. The big question that everybody asks is why? Why the money? Why the hard caps? How did you get to the hard cap that you say you need? And we touched on it earlier. You said that it depends on the size and the scope of what the company's doing. And what can the average person know about hard caps? Like, how can they determine, like, what's the role of VCs? You hear about VCs all the time. You, you said earlier that the VCs, they just want to get in, they want to buy the pre-sale low so they can get 10x on their money. So some people probably don't even know that VCs exist or what a VC is. So what does the average consumer have to look out for? And I know people say, hey, do your due diligence, do your homework, don't invest in what you don't want to lose. I get it. But there is a certain level of knowledge that one has to have or some fundamental basics in order to make an informed decision. And you can't 
really lump them into accreditors and unaccreditors. I know people who make a million dollars a year, $250,000 a year, $350,000 a year. They're broke. They can't manage their own damn money. So set the accredited and unaccredited aside. What can somebody do or what does somebody have to know to figure out if this market cap or hard cap versus soft cap is legit? And I mean this in the nicest way and hopefully they're listening or not listening, but they have to say it. I had a company on a couple days ago and they had a record-breaking hard cap of $200 million with a soft cap of $10 million. And, of course, they had a ready-made answer for it. And, damn, that's a lot, though. Like, how does one go, oh, like $200 million? That's, that's Beyonce money right there. Yeah, damn right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess I have a comment on that. And go ahead, if you go want ahead, to go yeah. into the actual answer. So, so in, in regards to due diligence, at, at the end of the day, due diligence is hard. I don't day trade for a living because I don't have enough knowledge in day trading and, and just the regular uh, stock exchange to go and, and get on a Bloomberg terminal and start doing day trading. I don't have enough knowledge because I'm going to have to go and do my due diligence and research and gain that knowledge. Uh, so, so to give, uh, I guess, to give uh, somebody some, some quick one-shot answers and now they're good to go and they can go tomorrow and, and have all the answers, I don't. There isn't a a one stop shop for answers for due diligence. It, it's hard. I mean, you, there's uh, you mentioned um, on the social side uh, doing your due diligence as far as the team and the Telegram group and and whatnot. And I mentioned on the on the technical side actually understanding the tech uh, technology behind the scenes uh, to make a fully informed decision on uh, oh yeah on, on everything. And, so I, it's, and I should say too, we, we, this is the and, and, you know my recommendation. I mean that's that's a Mickey Mouse due diligence, right? It's yeah, like oh they got yeah, fifty thousand Telegram followers. That's good. I'll, I'll throw my money. Yeah. Here's I mean here's the best and the simplest advice: invest in what you know. Like my background has always been in digital advertising Be, before you know turning up. I've invested in startups, right, and just the traditional route. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna go and throw thirty thousand dollars into a healthcare startup. It might sound good. I know there's a lot of money in healthcare, but if I don't understand what's happening under the hood, that's a recipe for me to lose my money. And at that point, I'm just gambling. Hey everyone, this is Matthew Aaron, and I'm here to tell you about our YouTube channel, Crypto 101 with Matthew Aaron. And the reason why we're doing this YouTube channel is because, well, we heard your feedback. Some people really like listening to stuff on YouTube. So all the audio podcasts are going to be posted on YouTube. Also, we're going to do previews and roundups of each episode. The previews are going to tell you about how we got to doing this topic, talking to these individuals, and where this interview came from. And the roundups are going to give you my personal opinions on the projects, the people, and, well, some commentary. And the reason why we're doing this is because we never want you to feel that we're shilling a certain project. I want you to get my personal opinions, honestly, openly. So please subscribe to Crypto 101 with Matthew Aaron on YouTube and enjoy. Comments are always welcome. And please let us know how we're doing. Now, back to the show. I don't disagree with you at all. And, and I say to my listeners all the time, guys, I simply just don't invest in what I don't understand. But there yeah. has to be a measure or something that the average person can look at to determine if this hard cap justifies. Let's look at, you know, if you're, if you're going into a space, like I, I don't want to talk about other companies just because it's not, it's not right. I'll talk about Turnio. 
and the way we settled on our hard cap. We operate in an enterprise business marketplace with digital advertising. The industry in, in 2017 was $224 billion. It's not uncommon for an ad tech startup to raise 50 to $100 million. So by that comparison, we settled on 40. It's lower, right? But at the end of the day, to your point, still $40 million. That's a lot of money. And so does that mean that we need 40 to, to you know, make it work the entire time? No. But what it means is that if we're trying to you know, take over an entire market where we have first mover advantage, we want to have the funding. Because the worst thing that can happen for, I think, any startup is that you have first mover advantage and then you're undercapitalized. And what happens is somebody with deeper pockets comes along and say, that's a great idea. We're going we're gonna to copy your technology. We might try to hire some of your team away. Mm-hmm. We're going to throw a lot of money at them. And we're going to take over that opportunity. Now, the other thing is, as I said, it's $224 billion in 2017. It's going to be growing for the next you know, five years. It's going to be $370 billion by 2022, I believe. Don't quote me on that. And so if you think about it, you know, to capture a percentage of that market, $40 million, it's not a lot of money. But again, that's for your listeners or whoever to decide. For some people, they might say, hey, that makes a lot of sense. For some people, they might say, no, they can do it with less. Mm-hmm. But it's all those things that you have to weigh when you're looking at a company. And do you understand that problem we're solving? Like in turn, you know, we're, we're dealing in a niche industry, which is programmatic digital advertising. It's like high frequency trading on the stock market. That's yeah. not our only use case, but that's where we're starting. And that's another thing that people get hung up on. And, and we, we frankly, we fight a big battle. Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the Ufi Video Lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. That's right, three in one for triple the security. It's easy to install. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It gives you keyless entry, so no more fumbling your keys when you have your hands full coming back from the grocery store. No more worry about the kids losing a house key. No more worry about a guest losing the house key or forgetting the passcode on your door. And for Airbnbers, it's a no-brainer as you can change the passcode at will between renters. It has available fingerprint recognition, and it has AI self-learning chips, so the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You will have no anxiety with the battery charging. It is a rechargeable battery, and it lasts around four months, but don't worry, when it's low, it'll give you plenty of weeks notice, and also, it always comes with a physical key as a backup. There's no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee to get your backup recording. Recordings, they're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the Eufy Video Lock is 24-7, so you don't have to worry about any issues you have, and it comes with an 18-month warranty. What I love about this product is it is truly all-in-one. With the three-in-one, you don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And on that is that people go, ah, we don't like Ternio, it's an advertising play. Well, no, it's not. That just happens to be the first use case. And, and uh, I think, Aaron, we, we spoke we about spoke this too. About it, yeah. Why are we talking? And why are we not why are we not targeting the, the trillion dollar commodities market or, or something else that's you know a lot sexier? Mm. Well, it's kind of the entrepreneur's fallacy. A lot of companies try to do too many things. Mm. We'd rather do one thing really well than five things poorly. And our philosophy is that once you build a reputation in one industry, that you have a, an enterprise blockchain that's highly scalable that solves a need, it's going to be that much easier to transfer into another industry because you have a reputation. You're solid. You guys deliver. You have a great product. And if you could solve a problem in industry number one, then you're definitely going to blow it out of the water in industry number two. Mm-hmm. And our, our feeling is just that that's how you build the foundation of a really great long-term business. So we're, we're talking about these soft caps and the hard caps. And, and obviously, we have built out our own technology in lexicon mm-hmm. rather than jumping on the, I guess, Ethereum bandwagon and just it, it, it's whatever. a protocol. It's not a DAP. Right? Yeah. So, so we, have, we have to think about how much did Intel spend building uh, the chir- first chip? millions upon millions upon millions of dollars and so these t- things actually cost money to get highly skilled engineers this costs money to to run a million transactions per second that is one terabyte per minute you run that for 24 hours and you talk about petabytes of data transfer i mean that's that's hundreds of thousands of dollars to run something like that let alone test something like that so i mean we can say that to run our test scenarios that's tens of thousands of dollars because of the bandwidth transfer. There's a, there's a cost to actually building industry-level high transactional blockchains that, that nobody sees. So it's, it's not like we can do this in our garage. I mean, there is heavy technology, which is heavy cost in both man hours and just uh, servers and, and, and whatnot behind the scenes that, that we're having to pay for. I think we should give them, you know, we, we do need to give people some action items, right? And I think, mm-hmm. I think it goes back to kind of like the anecdotal stuff, right? Not, not so much the technology, but it's like, okay, if you're looking at an ICO just from the start, right? Well, do a quick thing, you know, okay, look at their website. Good website. Okay, look at the guys, look at the backgrounds. They have LinkedIn profiles. Yeah, okay. Are, are they tackling a problem where they have a background? Yeah. Do they have an organic community? Yeah. Then it becomes time to, all right, let's get into the, the, the meat of it, the actual technical details. You know, how, how does it all function together? And I think from there, you know, ultimately, you never, you know, there's always going to be things you don't know you don't know, but you want to try to know as much as you can and feel really good that if you're going to make a bet on a, on a startup, that you really understand what's happening under the hood. And I mean, Aaron, you know, not trying to call you out by any means, but it's like, that's kind of how you and I started talking, right? Absolutely. I think at a high level, you know, Turnio, it, it was like, I wonder, what are these guys doing? Yep. Advertising. Nah, I, yeah, I think you said, you're like, I probably wouldn't put my money into it. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, I, but so like, And I did say, I, I, yeah. and I did say, I'd wait and check them out though. I'll keep an eye on them. Yeah. I got to pop Oh yeah, no, 100%. 100%. No, you're awesome. You're the man for having us on twice a year. I mean, <laughs> You're awesome. But I'm just saying, like, it's a confusing thing. And, and there, frankly, there are a lot of ICOs out there. And there's a lot of due diligence you have to do. And, and people, a lot of times, you know, they, 
they don't want to put the time in, but it's it's your money, and and you guys should you know whoever's listening should be very responsible with how you allocate that. Guys, I want to I want to shift gears a little bit, and I want to ask a really general question: What can be bought in this space? If I can go from just on the token side, and then after the token side, go into the actual marketing side. So, so let's say that I want to hypothetically, I want to start an ICO today. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I can go on to let's say Upwork and go and hire a developer to create a site. I can hire another developer to create the token, and then suddenly I have a hypothetical product with a hypothetical website with a hypothetical token mm-hmm. um, ready to go for uh, to go and start marketing. Well, there are, there are services for. We'll create your white paper for you. How that. much? How I much, still get no, no. that. I want to. Oh, yeah, I want to. Sure. Hey guys, I want to qualify this a little bit, Matthew. For how much? The, I can tell you, we don't know a lot of the answers to that because we won't even entertain those conversations. Speaking candidly, okay. like that might be for better or worse. We really do reject a lot of that. There are some things that we consider to be legitimate, and so for those types of things, we would pay for services because we felt that it was necessary. But there are a lot of bullshit, and so like if let's say somebody said to us. We'll pay to develop your white paper. Like, well, I don't know what that costs because we, Brian, freaking wrote it, and we, you know, we went through actually all of us together on a big uh, Google Doc, editing the whole thing. We edited everything, and like we wrote each other's pieces and copied over it and edited it and everything, and we put it together ourselves. We we put a lot of time to a lot of time. Brian built the website, so we didn't. So that that, to quantify that, that cost us about a case of Red Bull. Yeah. (laughs) No, but you know, it's a influencers are a really big thing, right? So in terms of you know, and, and for candid discussion, we didn't pay for this interview. That's a big thing within this industry. And it's like there are people who you're like, oh, I really like your show. And they're like, hey, you know, we'd love to have you to sponsor our show. And for only $7,500, oh. you too, you too can uh, uh, be on our show. I, I wonder if it would be, it'd be a, a good idea to just give you guys access to um, our support emails and just <laughs> i mean I, literally it's hundreds a day that I, I think that we get of just spam of selling stuff being on yeah. every new exchange it's, it's crazy there's, Some, there's, it's crazy there's there's no shortage uh this is the end of people selling any kind of service right yeah. like there are people that are gonna that are we get approached all the time that could help us get on exchanges so even though even though we know the exchange, they're going to help us get on the exchange. There's no shortage of people that that are trying to sell us email lists. So hey, my my buddy works at Advertising ICO, you know X. Well, we just took that list and we'll sell it to you for two thousand dollars. Just spam them. The craziest thing I've seen is that you can just pay to get on everywhere. So if you want to be on the Today Show. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can you can go and pay a hundred grand to be on the the, the Today Show. But, good, good Morning America, no problem. If you have enough money, you can pay to get on. on I mean, you want to be on Bloomberg? Uh, oh, oh here's, here's my favorite one. I'm gonna I'm gonna call some people out. You're gonna like this. Get a phone call uh, or you leave a voicemail from uh, Kathy Ireland's uh, show, and I'm like, why do Kathy Ireland's people call us? I'm like, okay, of course I know Kathy Ireland. Shit, I'll yeah, who call. Would, who wouldn't answer? I'll Kathy take Ireland. that phone call. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Okay. We, we so, all okay. answer Kathy Ireland's phone call. She's That's what, she, she's 55 <laughs> you know, years old. I you still answer. Of course, it wasn't. It wasn't Kathy Ireland. It was like Bob. I, this is Bob, for, you know, the producer from the Kathy Ireland show. And and literally, it's like you know, they're ba- and this is like not specific to our industry, by the way. This is really more of a TV thing. But it was like uh, you could be on Kathy's show. And that only costs you twenty thousand dollars. And there's one show with like Rob Lowe, mm-hmm. and Rob Lowe's show, and and it's like I even saw an example where Rob Lowe does some one minute intro, and then somebody else talking about your business. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my god. You know, uh, yeah. essentially, if you ever see anything crypto related on television, yeah. it's ninety. Nasdaq. Sure you can go in. You can yes. go in the New York City, yes. and you can go in Nasdaq, and Nasdaq will interview specifically for crypto yes. for the small, small fee of five thousand dollars. Yep. Right. And, but, but see, and that's the thing too is that yeah. you know what's for sale. To answer your question, 
literally everything, 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 everything and anything that you want. And so, you know, you could scrounge together 500K, yeah. Yeah. throw together a white paper, this, that, the other thing, a couple yeah. exchange listings. Not build anything. Capy Not build anything. Capy Ireland's, you know, <laughs> you can, pushing yeah, your product. I mean, you can literally have somebody go and sit on a couch for three months, yeah. not do a thing, yeah. pay for everything. And I mean, it's, I, no. mean, I mean, you can even pay for teams. I mean, for, for so so when when you see teams and advisors and everything like that, you can literally buy oh, that. Can stuff. I speak to this? People are, are selling selling reviews. You can go and, and and do your research on that, but it's 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 a very and, and let me just do this. Let me say this to dissuade anybody who's thinking like, man, that's not so bad. I can get five hundred k. You don't know who's legitimate, right? So, Kathy mm-hmm. Ireland's people might be some guy in Estonia who's like, yeah, we'll get you on there. Send me five BTC. And then you never get anything. And so that's the thing. There's legitimate stuff for sale, and there's a whole lot of scams. And that just goes back to the seediness of the industry. I think we need to say that there are things that are for sale that just cost money. Some things in this business just – there's like legit, this costs you money, and there's illegitimate. Hey, you're purchasing something for the sole purpose of defrauding somebody else. Even if it might be legal, it's probably morally wrong. But – what about the marketing side of it? We talked about it before. Oh, like crypto advertising. You oh, want to get into that? Oh man, this, wanna, is, this is the worst. You want to get into those weeds? That's what. They, uh, I mean, yeah, we want to get into those weeds. Let's oh, do this. I, well, it just so happens that we're solving a problem in know, an industry related to advertising. We know advertising well. We know it very well, and and so we know the metrics to look for, and we know how to quantify advertising. And so you know, again, when when we started this space, we're like, oh, a crypto ad network. And we gave it the benefit of the doubt that they are probably as mature as a lot of the other professional advertising organizations that we're willing to work with. And so, you know, we, we paid them in, in, in crypto, right, because that was the nature of it. And they got us on all these great crypto sites. Yeah. And then we did an analysis of all the data that came through. And I'll tell you, we flat out got ripped off. That's really what it came down to. We did get on a bunch of crypto sites, but it was a whole lot of bot traffic, um, right? Fake users. We quantified the landing page, right? So when, you, when you're buying advertising, right, you want to know how many people click the ad. You want to know how many people go to that landing page. How many, what do they do on that landing page? What are the conversion metrics, right? Are they signing up? Are they registering? Are they doing X, Y, and Z? What's the time on site that they're spending there? And I'll tell you, we, we, we tested two of them, and they were both complete fraud. And here's, here's why that's important. A lot of these ICOs are spending money thinking they're getting value from yeah. these crypto-specific ad networks. So yeah. They're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I can tell you, guaranteed, without a doubt, it's 90% fraud. But they see in their, their Google Analytics, oh, they got a giant right. spike, right? Right, so, right. So they see all these new users come to their site. They're like, we're crushing it. But yeah. you know what's happening? They're raising a bunch of money from, from uh, users. They're funneling it into these ad networks because they want to get even more users, right? So it's like, let me put a dollar in. I'll get $2 out, right? It's just kind of self-fulfilling. But that's actually not what's occurring. I think the funniest part of all of it, I don't know if it's funny or sad or I don't know how many of these I've talked to. I've not heard one uh, crypto ad related or anything, any crypto site that sells ad, ads use any type of fraud prevention or fraud metrics. Now, now, that that's a requirement in a programmatic advertiser, just, just I guess, uh, professional advertising, if you will, compared yeah. to... Um, I mean, that's a requirement. I mean, you don't go and, and, and sell ads or, or display ads without any type of fraud prevention. And that, that's, that's a huge no-no. Um, but the fact that every single crypto site or company selling ads that I've spoken to, mm-hmm. I ask them the same question. What type of 
fraud metrics or fraud company are you currently using? Every single one has given me a straight face, like I'm crazy. Of course we're not going to go and use some type of fraud prevention. We yeah. don't have any fraud. Yeah, yeah, we don't, it's, we it's, don't have any fraud. Yeah. And, you know, just a, a quick stat is that there's actually more bots on the internet today than there are real users yeah. just because of, you know, what's going on. And it's funny, here's a term you'll never hear in the crypto space, pay for performance. It's an unknown thing. Everybody's happy to sell you stuff on, a, on an upfront basis, no guarantees, and you get what you get. And here's the thing, there's a lot of money being funneled in, there's always more ICOs popping up, yeah. and there's always, frankly, a new sucker to take advantage of. Mm -hmm. and, you, and just another thing that you can buy, again, what's for sale, everything, editorial. The biggest crypto sites in the world. How much? Depends on who they are. Could be $40,000, but they'll write an article on your behalf. Well, I mean, to go even further, just go into the bots. I mean, you can, I can go and buy 100,000 uh, impressions of bots right now. Mm -hmm. And I can get them, I get, have them start delivering in the next 10 seconds. Yeah. So, I mean, that's easy. So it's yeah it's it's crazy so so this you know yeah. this, this massive fraud on from multiple multiple but angles it, and it, it, untruthfulness from multiple multiple angles. And so what's funny is that you know some of the biggest projects in the world that have all this hype that have all these influencers behind them that have all these impressions all this all these stats right they can they can tell you numbers all day long there might not be anything behind all that no. right and when you might have some legitimate product that just you know a mid tier number you know 150 on the coin market cap that's just you know chugging along doing things right and they get overlooked, right? Because again, it's just they're they're lost in in the shuffle. Well, I think it comes, I think it comes down to philosophy, and the question mark is going to be: Is it really the right way to go about it, the way we've presented it? Yep. Or and where we're actually investing our money into building our products, and actually we have a very highly technical team. We don't we haven't outsourced them; they're all in Atlanta, yeah. and we're here. Or are we going to try to do something else where we're going to be more kind of building a market based on speculation? We decided to do the former, not the latter. Go, go Gents, I, I have a, I have a follow up question for this, and I I'm going to take it a little personal here, all right? And I want your honest opinion because we're coming at ICOs, we're coming at you, we're saying like, why did you raise all that money, and why are you getting 15 percent, you know? But we're talking about advertising in the space. We're talking about podcasters, you know, getting money for interviews or ads or YouTubers as well. And, you know, and this is something that I've always battled with. And that's why we have two brands. We have Crypto 101. You never, ever charge to come on Crypto 101. Yet we run ads for ICOs. We run ads for Harry's shavers and razors. <laughs> and, you know, in ICO 101, they are sponsored interviews most of the times besides this one. So we have this conflict mm -hmm. of how do we balance and how do we charge? We know that these other podcasters and YouTubers are charging one BTC for an interview. We know that, you know, if they started at the same time as Crypto 101, Crypto 101's Twitter has 2,600 followers, yet some of these guys blew up to 100,000 followers overnight. How do they do this? You know, when we're talking about buying, you know, Twitter followers, what is your opinion on the crypto space when it comes to self-media guys like myself or other YouTubers, their legitimacy, how they monetize, also, how much do you think it's worth it for them to pay for these Twitter followers if they are doing it or acquire them naturally? And what do you think their, the benefit is? So, listen, you guys are a media business. You should be selling advertising, right? For sure. For, for sure. Just disclose it, right? Don't don't make it seem like this is some, like, you know, if you guys don't like Turnio, don't don't sell us advertising. Have us on here and be like, hey, you know, it's the best thing in the world, right? Because that's not, you're not doing right by your, your users. Look at Facebook. Facebook doesn't charge for their service. So how do they make money? They sell advertising. Mm -hmm. Now, here's what I will say. To your point, you know, should you guys go out there and buy Twitter followers? No. On, on, on the surface, it looks okay, but you're not getting any real value. No. You would get more value from 5,000 organic followers 
than from fifty thousand bought ones, yeah, purchased ones. Yeah, but spending spending you're gonna get more value spending five hundred dollars on actual um, marketing yeah. than you are uh, five hundred dollars on fake bonds. Yeah, so listen, I'm, I mean, I, I love your podcast. I, I listened to it even before you know Eternio came out. So it just you know it makes a lot of sense. You got you know I'm in the gym. I'm 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 listening to what you guys are talking about. So again, like I'm an organic user, right? Whereas to, to just buy a bunch of fake people, it just it's not going to create any value. It's not going to build yeah. a rapport. So right? if, so if you go in and turn on, let's say uh, just for the sake of. Uh, Conversation. So if you go and turn on the television and you jump to CNBC, for example, okay, yeah. you're, you're expecting legitimate news. Yeah. Now, if that news you find out later was completely purchased by some company, yeah, then you're going to think that CNBC is completely fraudulent uh, compared to what they're currently doing now, which is, uh, or the television station rather, is you know clearly separating the advertisements from the show that is being presented. They are a media company. Yeah. They they should be selling advertising. That's how they stay in business. But what they are doing is they are clearly defining what is an advertisement and what is their actual legitimate show. Even though there's organic followers and you know you have organic followers, organic listeners, and all these things, it seems as though there's always this battle between. And I think the ICOs, I think that exchanges, I think that anybody that's doing business when there is a method to increase your value by paying for it or perceived value by paying for it, opposed to doing it organically and lose out on, say, revenue or worth or prestige. So you have, there's this balance that you have to have. How do people perceive it? And it's like, look, like I said, like you, we were just talking about, 50,000 50, Telegram followers. You go onto the Telegram channel and go, like, look at all these people that are doing it. Wait, wait till they hit the exchange. There's going to be so much traffic and liquidity and trading is going to go crazy and it's going to go moon, Lambos. But if they see it's organic and there's only maybe 2,000, 10,000, they're going to be like, well, I'm not too really too sure. So at a certain point in a decision to be made where you go, do we do it organically and we do we take the, uh, the loss of maybe instant revenue, instant money, instant prestige or that clout that we could have? You know what I'm saying? What you're saying is uh, – stop me if I'm wrong, but uh, just to reiterate – a, if you jump onto a crypto, uh, an ICO's uh, Telegram channel that has a hundred thousand followers, you're going to give them a higher perceived value than an ICO that has two thousand followers. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's that's correct. So I guess that I guess what I'm I'm saying is is these things that can be bought that even though are probably they're, they're, where they're fake, they're you know facades, and they're probably you know, unethical, still well, can make somebody a lot of money. I guess that's a moral dilemma that a company has to make. I mean, there, there's a lot of moral dilemmas that any company has to make when, when you're going from a startup and building out. Well, I think, um, I think too, I, it's, it really comes down to, you said it best, right? It, it's, it's real value versus perceived value. Yeah. And perceived value is not really value. Here's the thing. There's a difference between promoting the Crypto 101 podcast to other crypto enthusiasts on iTunes, because you know when you buy that download, you're going to get an organic user who's interested. But you're, you're, you're mm -hmm. kind of... You're stoking the fire. Yeah. The difference is, is that if you pay some third-party service to just make it look like you have, you know, fifty thousand followers, that's not any real value. And anybody who does, like, let's say due diligence into your metrics, right, and and use third-party services, you're be like, wait a second, this isn't real. Yeah. Let me, I guess let me ask you this. So if, if you go and pay a, a yeah. Twitter influencer to go and promote your podcast channel, and that influencer has two hundred thousand followers, that'd be a big influence. Yeah. Now, mm -hmm. if they if they paid for all of those and they actually have only a thousand real 
followers, you would be upset. There's a lot of influencer fraud, right? So yeah. not you're not influencers, you own a media company, but there's sort of a corollary there. And so you have a lot of agencies and brands that will pay for creative marketing, right? They're, they're promoting right. Arby's and they find creative ways to interject their brand into different forms of media, whether it be a podcast or whether it be on YouTube or whatever. They, you know, they're trying to find new ways to reach new audiences, right? Same for any kind of brand. That's a pretty common thing. And so you've got these major agencies and, and brands that are spending a lot of money. And it's actually offensive because you're competing against these other places. And But a lot, some of them are competing in a dis, disingenuous way because they're basically pumping up a bunch of fake numbers. And the brands and agencies have figured that out. You know, they've been burned. Um, and so I think what we need is really, the, I think what's necessary for Crypto 101 and others like you, as a guy who started a few media companies myself, I think what we need is a marketplace for you guys to be able to make sure that you can really truly connect with those advertisers to find a way, you know, so you're doing your memberships, but you're also doing advertisements. And, and that you're, as soon as you're connecting to those advertisers and those brands, that you can make more money from that. And the more money you make from that, you get to reinvest some of that into your marketing and getting to, to find, you know, larger part of your audience. Well, I, I, I think beyond that, that I think people need to be more vocal in regards to what's going on in the crypto space. Yeah. Uh, so whether people are, are purposely trying to hide it or people just don't talk about it, there's a lot of disingenuousness and yeah. fraud and uh, fake perceived value that people just mm. don't talk about. And we learn from it just by going through it. It's not right. something that we knew prior. If, I, I think just by, by uh, communities being heavily vocal on this stuff, uh, people slowly become aware, become smarter to it. Which will uh, steer the course of the entire industry, and forward. and that's and that's what the the point of this conversation right here is. I mean, of of course, you know, your company is being represented a little bit, um, but you know, having this honest conversation about the the shit that happens behind the behind the scenes, you know, behind the curtain, you know, really opens people's eyes. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I didn't know you could buy Twitter followers until I started using Twitter and trying to you know build a brand with Twitter, and I was like. <laughs> you know, you, and you look at your 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 uh, colleagues. You know, go up in in Twitter uh, followers overnight from yeah. you know five hundred to ten thousand to twenty five thousand in a, in a couple months, and you're just like, come on, guys. Yeah. As Matthew said, I didn't even know what a bot was when I first got into the space. Crazy to me. It was really actually disappointing because I felt like when I came into the space, I was like, wow, these are these are the people that think like me. These this is this is it. I'm all in. And to see behind the curtain sometimes is very discouraging because Matthew and I struggled or have struggled still with, you know, we talk about branding all the time, right? We talk about, you know, how do we avoid conflict? How do we be vocal but do it tactfully? How do we take the high ground? How do we as a business make money but not price gouge? How do we not be like them but just be us? And Where's all the organic communities? You know, that, that, that got me so excited about being in the crypto space was the grassroots organic communities and the ideas. And, and so sometimes it just kind of sucks. I have a question. Are ICOs dead? I don't, I don't, think, I don't think ICOs are dead, right? I think, I think what's going on is that there have been a plenty of ICOs that raised a bunch of money that left and, and burned a couple people. And so their reputation was a bit sour. I think what's, what's actually really favorable is that you know, through this, there's been a lot of learnings. I think the crypto community's gotten smarter, and I think the bar is being raised. It's going to be really hard now for somebody to come along and raise $100 million 
with just a you know a white paper and a team and this and that, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a lot more that goes into it, and I think that's that's really good. I think the STOs are actually the, uh, a little bit of the future in mm-hmm. many ways because if let's say for example the current model for a lot of ICOs, part of the problem in my mind is it's all based on the like, you know it's like to talk about the greater full theory. If you're getting it at token at six cents and you're hoping you can sell it to somebody else at ten cents, and people constantly talk about it's going to 10x or 20x. Everyone wants to make money, of course, on when they're putting money forward. But it is more about how quickly can I flip it a lot of times. Not for everybody. Many people believe in a project and they they, they truly view it as a long-term thing that they're going to hold on to, right? The hold is a really big part of our community, at least. But it's not always that way. There's a flip mentality. With an STO, it's kind of the opposite. It's kind of like every time the company buys an asset, every time whether they purchase a building as it's commercial real estate or every, every dollar that flows through in profits, all of that is audited by an auditing company. You have a vote um, in the token, and you become you basically get a dividend, essentially, yeah. as an owner of that token. And I actually think that that's really democratizing and a, and a great way forward. But do your own research, right? Do your own research. Right, yeah. Some are class A, some are class B. Oh, you think you're getting, just because one STO is one way doesn't mean they're all the same way. So that's always right. read. There are different classes. Yeah, of, and, right. and that is a security. Yeah. And by the very, very definition of, of that, that is a, absolutely 100% a security. And so there's, you know, there brings with it certain challenges. But I kind of, I, I see that if you wanted to own a part of the Mona Lisa, like there's something really cool about thinking that you own a portion of a football team, you know, maybe you, like the Houston Texans, you know, could become tokenized. That sounds crazy, but you could become an owner of, of the Houston Texans yeah. if you own a token and they were a tokenized team. I, mean, cool. that, I think that there is a business model there. And I think that that's something that would be uh, great for the future. Such as such as like Facebook. So Facebook, the rumors have been around to, uh, tokenizing Facebook, right? So, so if you could actually do like an STO around Facebook, that would be that would offer huge marketing and leverage to Facebook because a lot of people would like to have a piece of uh, Facebook outside of just having stock, but having a yeah. actual um, security that they get dividends possibly mm-hmm. off of Facebook. But yeah. again, do your own research, right? Because there's there's no guarantee that you're going to get a dividend, right? Correct. So it's like Correct. it's like you. Know, Make sure that that business idea. Make sure that there's a good profit margin there, because right. you know, again, there's always people that like to take something new and then bend it to you know whatever suits them best. Yeah. So, again, it's what everybody says: do your own research. There are going to be, I'm telling you, 100. There are going to be blockchain companies. They're going to solve problems that are not in the crypto space, real world, and they are going to be the next Amazon, the next Google, the next Facebook. We just don't know who they are. But Turnio is going to be one. Well, I mean, obviously, <laughs> one of those. Yeah. But there will be two others somewhere. That are, <laughs> yeah, that's right. A couple more. Gents, do you, do you recommend people still buying ICOs? I mean, look, there's an STO option, there's securities option, and there's more and more countries that are going to compliance to their local laws. Why do people still buy ICOs? I know you guys were an ICO, but do you think that that anybody should even look at them? If they're not being compliant with their local governance, then just ignore it? Yeah, if they're not, that's a big problem. Yeah, yeah I, would, that, I, I guess that would be the biggest uh, red flag if, yeah. if, if they aren't because if they aren't willing to be compliant – I mean, why would they have the integrity to actually build out a product? See, and and obviously, they're not interested in building out a product if they haven't gone through the legal steps that are required to actually build that product. Yeah, so let's look at you know like Switzerland, right? There's three categories: there's securities, there's currencies, and there's utilities. In the U.S., everything is a security, and that's okay. Here's the thing: regulation isn't a bad thing, right? No. The United States government doesn't want to overregulate so that everybody moves to the Cayman Islands. No. They just want to regulate it in a way that it protects the retail investor so they're not getting burnt. And that's right. okay. So many people are like anti-government, anti-bank, anti 
But it's like, you know, they are there to protect you. And, and again, I understand that there's a happy yeah. medium, yeah. 100%. But it's, you know, if you are investing in a company that's like, hmm, we want to do things the right way, it's a pretty good sign. If you're investing in a company that's like, nah, we're just going to, we're going to jump gonna from island to island. Yeah. Like, don't worry about it. Uh, well, in, in my opinion, that's that's dicey. And I actually think, you know, and, and no disrespect to any country, but if, if a company is based out of Russia, for example, no disrespect to my Russian friends, there's a much more lax laws in Russia if, in fact, the company is defrauding people, right? Uh, I don't know where BitConnect was based. But it, in the U.S., if it's a U.S.-based company, the SEC and the FBI and whomever else, they do not play around. So I actually feel a lot more comfortable as long as the company that I'm putting my money into is following the laws. Like well, you could go and search us on the U.S. Ed SEC Edgar database, and you can look up Turnio, and you can see we filed our Reg D exemption. Yep. We filed all the proper sec uh, securities laws documentation we have to do with the SEC. Well, let's let's answer. But Aaron's question was, you know, should you invest in ICOs? I think I think there's still yes. an opportunity yes. there. And again, I think I think the bar is being raised. I think you should do it. My my only concern to the ICO process, and just you know speaking candidly, is the exchange issue. If every ICO is so dependent on these exchanges, yes. and that if they don't get on there, that their business fails because everybody looks at yeah. it as a failure, mm -hmm. that's a problem. But if we can get over that bar, which we will, I have, I have no doubt that the crypto community is ingenious and will find uh, other solutions. If we can get around that, I, I feel really good about the, the prospects for future ICOs because I feel like they're going to be that much better going forward. I had somebody on the show the other day, and I asked them about their investors. They wanted to make sure that they ch I changed that language, and they called them contributors. Uh -huh. People are making sure that the language is changed to make sure that they're called utilities and what have you. And I think that that's unfair to not only the investors because, look, let's face it. I'm not giving you money so I can contribute to your project. I don't give a shit. I want to make sure that there's you know a return for me in the future, even though, yes, I might like you, might like your project. But if it doesn't pay me something in the future, I don't care. Well, so yeah. do you think that these different languages to uh, make sure that they're staying out of the security kind of realm is honest, legitimate? It, it really depends upon the country, right? I mean, uh, you know, if you're doing it in the U.S., I would say no, that's not legitimate. Um, I would say, you know, I'm not, I'm not a lawyer, right? And that's why we have lawyers. Outside of other countries, I don't know, do your own research, check your local laws. I think that anybody who's asking you to skirt governmental regulation, uh, that's a problem. Here's another uh, a question I have, actually, because <clears throat> this was brought, brought up by Doug Pike that was on the show about, mm, I'll say, six months ago, and something I never considered, is sometimes companies can use the Ethereum that they raised in their soft cap to put back into their hard cap to look like they're generating uh, their hard or I mean their hard cap requirements. Have you ever heard that before with other ICOs that they're kind of like recycling F? Oh, of course. Oh, of course. Yeah, and, I mean, even even at the beginning of, of ICOs, uh, a lot of the ICOs go and start at like, let's say, uh, a million five. And so it looks like that they have received, you know, a million, two million, three, three million. To give that perceived value. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a whole lot of perception yeah. Oh, yeah. that's going it's, on. It's a lot of it is perception. Mm -hmm. The large majority, the heavy large majority is all perception. You could actually have, say, one of the biggest market cap ICOs or one of the ICOs that raised the most money ever, $200 million, let's say, and it's only done with $40 million worth of F. Is this true? Well, I don't, I don't think we want to speak or we don't want to offend anybody who's been on your show or anything like that. You know, again, we're not, we're not speculating with anybody. I think it's just that... Yeah, I mean, anybody could say anything they want. Well, like we started off before, I can go sit on a couch. I can uh, hire somebody to build the site, build the coin, uh, do all the marketing, get all the faces for my team, the advisors, 
everything without me even getting up off the couch. And then I can go and say that I have raised $1.8 billion. And, and then, recycle through and use some creative accounting practices. And, and again, you know, the pre-sale money, and then you add that into the, 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 the yeah. post-sale. You know, again, there's, and everybody's got different terminology. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, yeah. That's I mean, nuts. when was the last time somebody got audited for all their stuff? I mean, that's auditing. I mean, before us, I mean, who got audited for their blockchains? Yeah. I mean, we were like the only ones that actually requested an audit for our blockchain mm -hmm. to do a third party, let alone people requesting audits for uh, like financial figures. Um, it just doesn't happen. People just throw out crazy numbers. But yeah. and, they, and that's a, it goes back to right like it, it's all perception right so yeah. if you if you raise four million of a forty million dollar hard cap you're a failed project if you raise forty million oh now now you're going to be successful and that's that's not the case either so yeah. crypto yeah. one one raised one point seven billion dollars congratulations, congrats, congratulations. Hey. we're a successful <laughs> podcast now <laughs> Aaron sorry I didn't tell you man uh, but uh, you, yeah you're not getting any of that. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go cry now. <laughs> <laughs> Gents, thank you very much for coming on ICO 101 and Crypto 101. I know that it's been about an hour and a half conversation, and we appreciate your honesty, your candidness, and, well, your camaraderie. Thanks, man. We, Thanks, listen, yeah, we, this has been a lot of fun. Again, we, we, we try to be honest. We try to do the right thing. You know, we're not necessarily the smartest guys in the world, but, you know, at least we're, we're truthful. Um, and, yeah, man, if you ever want to have us back on, we're, we're happy to, uh, to join you again and, and chat more. Uh, Bryant, Ian, Daniel, thanks for being on the show. Matthew, thank you for waking up early for us. And, uh, You're welcome, we'll, sir. We'll talk to you guys soon. Yo, yo, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this show, then check out the links on the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to ICO 101 Podcast by going to the Crypto 101 Podcast feed that is found on iTunes, SoundCloud, and CastBox and leave a positive review. Please follow me on Twitter at SupAaronPaul. And don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter as well at ICO 101 Podcast. Until next time, peace. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. 
So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today.